<laughs> yeah, oh. we're just like the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Always in trouble. How am I the nice one in this conversation? Why is coriander so disgusting to Italian people? You all thought this was Alison and Pierre. This isn't. This is just me. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Table Wine with an H. H for today. H for me is for hot damn. And that would be because we've actually just released our first episode, and I think it's been a little scary and exciting. I'm just super stoked that people are actually listening, so I think Hot Damn personifies how I'm feeling about the whole experience. Oh, now I have to, like, scramble for positive H. No, go with your initial. I think that's best. No, I had two in my mind that I didn't know which one, so I'm just going to go with holiday because I've just come back from holidays. Ooh, yes. Which is very nice. You're in Sicily. I was in Sicily for Mm -hmm. a week. We didn't really do any wine drinking, by the way. I mean, we were drinking wine, but we weren't there to drink wine. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, yeah, you weren't there to have, like, a a drunken holiday in Sicily. Yeah, or that wine-tasting holiday. You know, usually, like, when we go to Italy, we'll visit a few winemakers. This time we stayed at a winery for a couple of days, but we stayed there because they had an infinity pool to ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Who gives a shit about the wine or the winery? (laughs) Fuck that, yeah. (laughs) The winery's called Piano Grillo, near Noto in West. West? Sorry, just let me do with my hands the map. East. It's in the east. Ooh, <laughs> I like the visuals. Yeah, very. Listeners, you're really missing out. My right hand yeah. means east, east. Okay, got it. Nailed it. Half the time I was just so happy by the pool and the other half was like, does he clean himself or does he have a cleaner? Because this apartment's amazing. So, okay, what? So what's your, what does H <laughs> no, stand for today? My H is holiday. Oh, fuck yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So and we- out of curiosity, what mm. was the other H? Oh, humbug. Oh. You know, holiday blues, I guess. Mm. But I also like the word humbug. I think that's why I wanted to use it. And we're coming up to the holidays, so it feels kind of on point. Yeah, and it's the start of autumn as well. And I think this kind of actually leads on to wine. I think we have a very autonomous wine. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I've got no idea what you brought over. I see it's red. Yeah, I wanted to kind of open this wine because actually it was a gift from the winemaker. It's not really my style of wine usually because it's quite, I think it's full body, it's about 14.5% alcohol, which is quite high. The winery is called Chateau Bellevue and the cuvee is called La Renaissance. The Renaissance. I love this. We're pouring this into Alison's fancy glasses called, you know, the Jelta glasses. They're so nice. They just make, even if you're drinking a shitty wine out of those glasses, it it feels nicer. Zelta glasses, for those who don't know, are like really fine, beautiful glasses. Quite pricey, but my favorite thing about them is when you squeeze the rim, they bend. Don't break it, please. <laughs> that don't would be really annoying. And I think this is a 2013 bottle of wine, so I think it really deserves something that will give it space to, to breathe and to come onto its own. I think it's Cabernet and Merlot, I want to say. Let Shall me check. we try? That is like kind of intense. I love the nose of it. It smells that there's something about that like pickled beetroot aroma that I really am into. And it, it smells like it's very fresh, but then it's actually quite like a strong, like grippy wine. I mean, for me, it smells like burnt chestnuts. Did you burnt chestnuts. Did you ever roast chestnuts in Canada? We just uh, tapped the trees for maple. 
Yeah, so we just go around, everyone's got their little, like, nail and hammer, and then at a certain time of year, you can smell when the maple's ready, and then you just go and tap the trees, and then you just drink out of the maple trees, just fresh maple syrup flowing. Slightly off topic. (laughs) I start every day with a shot of maple syrup. (laughs) Well, hopefully it's from Vermont, because I heard their maple syrup's better. As if, what you all... (laughs) Whatever. I can't get into this right now, you little shit disturber. (laughs) Canadian maple syrup is the best maple syrup, and I will never stop believing that. Well, so what do you think about the wine, though? It's beautiful. And I think I'd be interested to just kind of see how it goes on throughout the podcast as well as we drink it. True. You said... On the nose, it's ri- it's not as rich as it is. Yeah, it smells like there's something about that. Uh, there's like something a little bit vegetal to it. Yeah. I feel like I want some food with that. I'd like some... Oh, yeah. I'd like something wrapped in shard, you know? Oh, okay. What? That's what? not where I thought you were going to go with that. Where do but you okay. think I was going to go? But I, I, I don't know. I thought you were going to say like cheese. <laughs> Just something like typical. Shard. And it's a specific for leafy green. I like to try and put, like, a personality to a wine sometimes. Who do you think that this would personify? I think this is, like, a 55-year-old writer who, like, makes good money but doesn't want to spend it. This person's at the checkout at Waitrose. They didn't bring their own bag but refusing to pay for another bag. So they're going to carry quite a lot home in the rain in their arms. You know, the kind, right? Stubborn. I don't think you need to be 55 years old to do that. I think I did that yesterday. No, this one is 55 years <laughs> yeah. old and wealthy mm-hmm. slash well-to-do, but stubbornly frugal because they grew up with less. Mm-hmm. And I feel this wine is that because it's not very generous in its own personality. It makes you work to kind of get it. Okay, so recap this wine because we said a lot about it. Okay, so Cap Sauv Merlot. Yep. Lebanese. Uh, low Intervention. And what was the winery again? Uh, Chateau Bellevue. Gorgeous. It's actually, it's up on a hill, hence why beautiful view. Good choice, Pierre. Let's get back to topic. This is a podcast mm-hmm. where we chat about working in restaurants. Yep. I'm Alison. I'm Pierre. Today, I'm very excited about the topic. It's pet peeves. I have so many pet peeves. I have so many pet peeves that it's more like a pea farm. I'm going to guess that yours are going to be like service related stuff. I'm going to say carrying drinks without a tray. Oh my God. Some of the words that you absolutely hate to hear during service. No problem. If that will definitely send you over the edge. That's kind of like what comes to mind. Are, are any of those hitting on the nose? I feel like we're back at episode two with horrible bosses. <laughs> No, none of them are Really? I mean, I think because when I'm on the floor, I definitely have things that I don't think we should do or say. But they're not really pet peeves. They're like, you know, MOs or SOPs, as they call them Mm -hmm. these days. What do they call them these days? SOPs, like, I don't know. All this corporate jargon. I don't know. Wait, I need to guess yours. I I can't guess yours. There's Come on. Yours will be so boring. They'd be like... Not taking the foil off the wine bottle properly so it drips. Oh my that god, would that's annoy true you. though, yeah. That would that does annoy me. And I think maybe bad star food, because although you're the skinny one, you're the glutton. Do you know what? Those were not on my list, but now that you say them, accurate, definitely. So why don't you kick things off? Gold cutlery. Hmm. Gold cutlery. Well, 
it's kind of trying to be too much, isn't it? Yeah, and also we know it's not gold. So who are you trying to impress? My second stupid one is paper napkins in a restaurant. Mm. I don't care if it's breakfast, lunch, wine bar, get rid. I just feel like... They're just such a false economy. They just get so dirty. They need about five, but no one's ever around to give you your second one, let alone your fifth one. How messy are you? What's happening when you're eating that you need five fucking napkins? What's going on? (laughs) Um, The worst thing about it, in my humble opinion, is you get to a restaurant, you got fresh cutlery on that fresh paper napkin. You go through your whole dinner, you only use one, impossible. And then they clear it, they clear your plates, they clear your cutlery, and they clear your napkin, and they take your dessert order. And 99.99.99%, they just give you new cutlery for your desserts. No napkin. Well, that's on the waiter. Like, that is such no, an this oversight. Is normal. That's- no, you should be resetting with a napkin. No, but they never do. It doesn't mm. matter whose fault it is. They never do. Okay. Oh, and I've got a vomit emoji next to my next one, which is very related. You all thought this was Alison and Pierre. This isn't. This is just me. I have lots of peeves. <laughs> Welcome to the forum. <laughs> um, there's a vomit emoji. Show me. Wrapped. Ra- what? Wrapped cutlery. Oh. What? Wait. Paper wrapped cutlery or paper wrapped? Is it? Okay. You can't, yeah, paper wrapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like the next level of hell. Yeah. You know, a little bit lower, closer to the actual devil. Okay. Um, you know, there's like seven rings of hell or something. Seven rings of yeah, but I don't think that there's seven different devils. Like there's the devil, and then you have to go through all the different levels of shit. Yeah, and then you get all the way down, and the devil is not like kind of a human type thing it's no. just wrapped cutlery wrapped in napkins <laughs> hospitality is all about generosity and True. niceness and this is like oh here you go yeah you're transient that's what it's saying okay well let me say some no so mine are more like relating to like guest behavior here i think leaving the table before the waiter actually gets to say hi to you So like when you arrive at a restaurant and you sit down, I think that it's just a nicety to sit down and like let the waiter come over, introduce, offer you some water before you run away to like go to the toilet, wash your hands, da da da. Because then it's like this weird game of, okay, so we've got one person at the table. I can't not go say hi because I need to acknowledge that you're there. But then what's the point of me going over and like doing any of my spiel? So I've got this like weird sort of like table tag happening. No, it's a, <laughs> it's really a waste of my time. Just wait for us to say hi. And then you can go do all the toilet shit that you want to do. Literally. Literally. Reference episode one. I disagree. And I'm not just doing that for a fact. First of all, it's not about you. <laughs> second Why of do all, you keep telling me that? <laughs> second of all, people need to wash their hands. And I actually think when you have one person at the table or two or whatever, that's your chance to go in there and like do the devil's work. Uh, let me tell you my theory. If you feel strongly, especially about wine and cocktail, well, not cocktails, but like, let's say a bottle of wine, it's always easier to convince one person than two. It's also about making connection. Sometimes, especially with tables of two, which is, I guess, kind of what you're describing, it's very hard to find your in, especially like if it's a date. No, they're desperate for interaction. If it's a date early on in the relationship, absolutely. Some people are so awkward. Please help us. 
talk to us, okay? We don't know how to talk to each other. <laughs> I'm not saying that I have that issue, but I get to see many people on dates. Yeah, you and don't a lot generally of have conversational issues. No. <laughs> Um, Let me tell you what's on my mind today. <laughs> I love, I, I genuinely love going to restaurants and having some sort of engagement with the person who's taking care of us because I know what it's like to not have that kind of connection with tables. And all you need is one table in your section in a night that you were able to have some sort of fun banter with. That'll just make your whole service. So I hope that's what I'm bringing. <laughs> Or they're like, you're the one that takes <laughs> all their time. It's like, ah, oh, that woman needs more attention. <laughs> Let me Please. get a glass of water before talking to her. <laughs> Let me freshen up. Anyway. Can you look after my section? I'm going to that woman's table. It's going to be a while. She's going to tell me all about Nova Scotia. I'm Canadian. The East Coast. I actually pride myself on being the perfect guest, which sounds opposite of what I sound like. Oh, oh. I am very low maintenance. As if. I pride myself on being low maintenance. So you're the perfect guest. No, no, I never said I'm the perfect guest. I like I to try I think you said and be... you're the perfect guest. Did I say perfect? Yes. Oh, well, if the shoe fits. Yeah, I just can't be bothered in conversations. I do the same thing with the hairdresser. I just go out of my way not to talk to them. I make my responses so awkwardly short that they get the hint very quickly. What? Oh, but you've got great chat. But I get it. I, I know. Like, cause you can be there for... A certain amount of time and... I guess I just live in anxiety of running out of conversation. Because at some point, it's like, how much digging does somebody want to do? And I always like to, again, pride myself on not wanting to talk to my hairdresser. I know at start they really resent me for it. And they're probably thinking, what's wrong with me that he doesn't want to talk? What's wrong with him? (laughs) Which is more likely to be the case. But then I just sit there with quiet resolve. And then about halfway through, I just observe the seat next to me that's run out of chat and mm. starts talk shit and they're both just trying to keep that conversation alive at any cost and then I go mm, see you're lucky <laughs> but I think it's also worth just saying in the beginning just be like I really have to read some emails or I'm feeling really tired I don't have much to say and then they could just be like all right cool then they know what to do I get that I think in your case because it's three hours I think for mm. half an hour you know for my hair that's overkill you know, I knew some of your pet peeves would be like guest related. I'm sorry to say. Well, duh. Because I think you're like such a, you just love your team too much to like say, oh, I don't like that about them. Whereas I'm thinking I'm more <laughs> guest focused, which is, I'm not saying that you're not guest focused, but I mm-hmm. think we have very similar ideals in terms of hospitality. Yes. But we just express them differently. Yeah. And you're right. I do genuinely love my team and... I think I've got like beautiful personalities and like lovely little humans that I like spending time with. So yeah, I do. Like I I, I adore the people that I work with. I have a long list. Can I keep going? Because mine is funny. Because that was really boring. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) One thing on my pet peeves is symmetry. (laughs) Do you know there's a really funny um, meme that goes around on Instagram? It's a scene from Modern Family where the wedding planner is like, have you lost your mind? And then like moves the vase like a millimeter to the left. That's me. Yeah. But it's very funny. And it's true. I hate symmetry and actually go for asymmetrical because then the eye finds the detail that you want to show them. If you want something to shine, you just put it off center and then bam, the eye goes to it. Cognitive dissonance. (laughs)
And I don't know if I'm even using that term correctly because... I don't even know what it means, actually. Uh, Cognitive do you dissonance. Know, English is my second language, as you, or third language. Hello. As you Hello. all know. Which meant that some words I never learned from like learning them. I learned mm-hmm. them from reading them. Yeah. For instance, gone awry. I just learned it by reading. Mm-hmm. So I used to say gone ori. And then nobody would say anything. Like people would go blank. And like, I'd be like, they don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, the second word was clandestine. Oh. I thought that meant clumsy. Because mm-hmm. I only learned it like out of context, like in a book. And then one time I described myself as clandestine. <laughs> and I got laughed at. I find like sometimes, yeah, we're using words that we think we know the meaning to, exactly as you've described. And I kept saying quite. I thought I was describing things in a way that were really complimentary and saying like, oh yeah, it was like quite nice or that's quite lovely, da da da. And then this person finally is like, I don't know what you're trying to describe, but you're saying something is pretty mediocre when you say that. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know that was the case for me. Always saying something's quite nice is like, well, that's, that's fucking gorgeous, you know? So I'm trying to not use that word anymore. And I'm substituting quite with very. Well, here's a bit of cognitive dissonance on my part. I think you should stay with quite because... You're right. And I have noticed when you say something, oh, that's quite nice, that I think, I'm not sure she's using that word right, but actually kind of are because it's about also delivery. And I understand why you use quite nice because I think often when, especially when you watch like period dramas and they use quite, quite a lot. (laughs) And then you think, oh, that's a positive term. But actually, I think difference between us people who come from the hopeful, inverted comma, new world versus those who used English for centuries mm. is they use them more subtly and with more nuances. So quite becomes an insult. Who knew you'd go. be cutting without even knowing it? I know, right? You've been insulting all these people all this time. No, no wonder I'm your only friend. Okay, I want to keep going with my pet peeves. Ice blocks and cocktails. Oh, whoa, that's controversial because that's <laughs> such a trend right now. No, it's not a trend. It's been going for 10 years. Do you know what it is? Finally, people realize they can make it quite easily. It's so naff. <laughs> okay, my second one, which I love, is called burrata. Take it out of the fucking fridge before service, people. It's meant to be creamy. That cream is so shy inside. My favorite pet peeve about guest behavior is when they like turn on the big light to see the menu. <laughs> and I never what, like could... their torchlight? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I saw one person who I, I wish I took a photo. I would put it up on my wall and worship them. Because do you know what they did? No. They didn't turn on the torchlight. They took a photo of the menu. And then they just, you know, zoomed in and out as needed. And I thought, you're very clever. <laughs> That's great, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, kudos to them. But I really don't like the flashlight because it no, just shines so in everybody's eyes. Like, there's just no consideration for the people around you. Which brings me to my next point. Putting dirty shit on a clean table next to you. Listen, it's the restaurant's fault. Oh, okay. All right. I just think it's unnecessary. You're dirtying a table that was ready and set now for a guest. Surely you could wait a moment for somebody to come take that plate away. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I see what you mean. I would never, ever move a dirty plate onto the table next to me. Well, yeah. What did you think I meant? I think you're thinking too deep into it. (laughs) Anyway. Let's talk about cold burrata that's (laughs) much more meaningful. (laughs) Okay, well then how do you feel about showing up with extra people? I love it. I love it because I think, I love it because it's part of the chaos. It's not their problem 
Mm-hmm. They have friends. Good for them. I wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> and and also, I think often when they do that, um, they kind of know that they're going to get a shittier seating plan, which is okay. That's kind of disappointing. What I really love brings me a lot of joy is when people come in with like extra two or three or one even, and then they're unhappy that their table is too squeezed. Mm. I'm like, I like you. You're very difficult. <laughs> Such a weirdo. <laughs> what do you think is acceptable? So there's like some unwritten rules. If you work in restaurants, you kind of know, okay, if I've got a table booked for one, mm-hmm. I can probably bring another. Because if you've got a table for one, then you it's probably a table no, for two. See, I, no, sorry, I need a drink. Look, look, look. I think never use the knowledge you have on other restaurants because every place works differently. I know that's true. So I think, and so, I, and I also think part of the fun of restaurants is chaos that is caused by like really weird decisions. And actually, I was referencing one of my most favorite restaurants in another pet peeve, but they have a stupid rule: after lunch, they just kick everybody out, like to get ready for dinner. So at three o'clock, they'll just give you the bill. It's like, hello, you can have an empty restaurant. Can I just have my coffee? No, three o'clock you're out. And I think that's like, that's a stupid rule that came out of somebody having a bad day. What is that? There's something, I do get it to a certain extent because we just need a minute. Like the people who are working in the restaurant just like want that moment to kind of reset because it is a lot when you're speaking to people all day and you're on all day. It's nice to just have like a quiet, a quiet time, right? But at the same time, what's the purpose in that? You know, how much, I think it just requires maybe a little bit more planning from the restaurant. Maybe one person who can like float around on the floor and look after the tables and stuff. Like it's quite unnecessary, quite, it's very unnecessary to just kick everybody (laughs) out. it doesn't work. (laughs) You went from like zero to zero. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense. We're like, to make somebody leave feeling like their experience was cut short, surely there's a, there's another way around it. Yeah, and I think the operative word in that very long statement is make them leave. Mm. I think people will like naturally come to an end. Well, I mean, not well. their lives, their meal. <laughs> Apart okay. from Christmas, that's the only time when you think the polite time to leave a restaurant yeah. doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, come on, give me one more pet peeve. Okay. We should have done a shot with every pet peeve. Picklebacks or something. We could try... What is a pickleback? It's a shot, and then you follow it up with pickle juice. And then there's different spirits that you can do it, and we could try the different spirits and see which one goes best with the pickle juice. Um, But yeah, something else that like kind of pisses me off is not listening. So responding to a question with an answer that is not what you asked. So like, would you like complimentary still or sparkling water? And then you respond with yes. Come on, we've just started. Can't you just like take a second and just actually listen? How am I the nice one in this conversation? I I agree with you, but I think most people don't listen. Listening's a and skill. Definitely. But and most people don't have it, is to more the point. And I think the second one, there's like a London tax on everything. So like for instance, you know, you said, you know, showing up with extra guests. For me, like the threshold is for extra guests in London because mm-hmm. you just pick people up along the way. So wait, you have a booking, say for like two people, mm-hmm. and then you're willing to come in with four extra people. Well, I'm not. I'm not, but I'm a hospitality professional. I get. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, for instance, I don't like it when restaurants call you after 15 minutes. I feel like the London time tax is half an hour. 
Oh, you're willing to give in half an hour leeway. Well, if it was my restaurant, yes. Yeah. I mean, often when I've worked in restaurants here, no, because that's not how things work. Um, so I think there's like kind of a London threshold for everything that's just a bit bigger than everything else. Hmm. Because I think of everything the city gives you. Like you you're thinking that there should be a London tax. No, no, no. Not physically. Not like charge people more. But for instance, okay, you're from Nova Scotia. I'm from Perth. They're both sleepy places. You'll be in the restaurant one time because there's nothing else. Get in your car and you get there. What's going to hold you back? A bear? A moose? <laughs> a flood? You know, yeah. too much sunshine yeah. in Perth? Nothing's going to hold you back. In London, everything is making you a bit late. It's transport, mm. it's work, it's the weather. Mm-hmm. Hey, if it's too sunny, you want to hang out a bit longer, you know, or you're going to cycle or walk instead of getting the tube. If it's raining, everything's running behind. So I think that's what I mean by London tax. Everything's expected to take longer or just be a bit more difficult. What's another one? What you want more from mine? You've got me going on a roll. I told you like all of your pet peeves are anti-guests. Yeah. And here I am, but I have one more (laughs) funny one. This one, people stack plates and then they give you the look. Yes. Like of... I've helped you and you're like no no you fucking haven't I'm so glad that you brought this up do you know what it's sweet because somebody is trying to help which I'll always appreciate but they don't know that you are totally messing with my flow if I had a table of like 10 people I could probably clear that whole table in one go if you let me do the plates, how I know that they're going to be able to stack. And then if people just start stacking like all random shit on top of each other, no, you fucked it. Now I've got to make like three trips back and forth to that table to be able to clear it. And you know, uh, a pet peeve from a gas point of view, which just in the interest of fairness, you know, like the BBC. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, just like the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Always in trouble. From a guest point of view, it's like when you put the wine away from a table, mm. which I agree with. And if I ever open a restaurant, whatever the wine goes, it needs to be next to the fucking table. Nobody, nobody has time to constantly keep wine topped up. Where your wine glass is right now, like that's the danger zone. How so? It's at that crucial point where like that needs a topping up. Oh, well, go on then. Okay, Please. give me some like, I want some rapid fire. Okay, I'm going to say something about a restaurant and you're going to tell me a pet peeve, a pet peeve about it. Toilets. Oh, fuck. Dirty toilet brushes. Chairs. When like it's cheap fabric. Bar. The term mixology. For fuck's sake. You're a bartender. It's an amazing trade. It's been going for a long time. It's historical. But don't call yourself a mixologist. Reception notes. It's when a guest comes in, you're so busy, and then you're looking for somebody's name, and then they like peek their head over the reception desk. It's like, that's my personal space. <laughs> okay, what else? Pot wash. Nothing. There's no pet peeve around the pot wash because the hardest job in the restaurant, no, the universe, is the dishwasher, and you should only give them respect. Understood and agreed. Chefs. Well, I think you just said it. That's my pet peeve. <laughs> just... <laughs> Outdoor seating. Just don't have it in this country. What else? Well, I'm going to do you now. Okay. Menus. Oh my God, just make sure that they're clean and they're not covered in plastic. Uh, Restaurant owners. (laughs) Just engage. Know some of the staff, know some names, and don't try to pretend like you know how to do our job. Bartenders? Mm, Yeah, you're a part of the floor team. Don't think that you're anything separate from what's happening on the restaurant floor. Because it takes so much effort to separate yourself. Ah, I'm going to give you one more. Italian food. (laughs) 
Why is coriander so disgusting to Italian people? It's like the one ingredient they just never got the hang of. Find me an Italian person who loves coriander. That's your challenge for the next episode. Okay, so let's recap. No paper napkins, never acceptable. Can I just correct you? It's not that it's not acceptable. It's that it's pointless. I will not understand it and I will not be on board. This is a ship that I will miss. I'll stay in Ireland. I am not going to go to America. Uh, According to Pierre, the allowances for reservations, you should have a 30-minute window. Also, you can bring up to four extra guests. I never said you (laughs) can. So good luck with that. I think we live in, or we work and live sometimes in industry of looking after other people. Mm -hmm. Hospitality. Part of that is mitigating things. And understanding the like that there's kind of a zone for the misunderstanding or the failure or that gray stuff that you have to turn around. So is it about fault finding or is it about just getting on with it? And what did you learn about me today? Absolutely nothing. Thank um, you. Which yeah. is the right thing because we're not here to learn anything. I think that today the conversation fit the bill, no? But whining because of... I thought whining because I have a terrible voice or is that just a bonus? <laughs> yeah, it's just an actual nugget that we've thrown <laughs> into things. When you say nugget, I think of nuggets of poo. Is that what you mean? No, like a golden nugget. But I mean, now that you say it... going to just bring it in. <laughs> Uh, And that's it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Table Wine. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk. It's been quite nice. Yes. (laughs) Indeed.